Okay, everyone, spooky, scary episode today. What if there's a recession coming? How is that going to affect the housing market? Should I wait to buy a home? Let's talk about it. All right, everyone, welcome to the podcast today. I am David Sedoni, your How to Buy a Home Guy. I'm a realtor here with EXP Realty in Southern California. But for today, uh, you can call me Pauly Shore. Why the hell would I say that? Well, first of all, it's Halloween weekend here. It's about 4.55 in the morning. I've been working all night on this podcast because I've been out with my kids and I've had 48 hours worth of sugar for the past two days with all the Halloween weekend activities and I decided to take that uh, you know, sugar high and put it into something really useful, like doing an entire podcast about something scary like the recession. So to do that, what I did was I dressed up like my favorite 90s idiot, Holly Shore, because who else would you want to be giving you, you know, economic, real detailed, heady, intellectual stuff than, you know, the guy who said, no reason the juice, dude. For those of you who don't know who that is, you could be in a treat someday. I'm going to get the YouTube page really rocking and rolling, but right now I'm concentrating on the podcast. But I am letting you know, if you're listening, I am videotaping this, and I look ridiculous. Happy Halloween, everybody. Let's talk about the recession, right? I've already coined myself the unsexiest guy on the internet, so I might as well just keep it going by talking about something that freaks the hell out of everybody. Today, we're going to talk about numbers. We're going to do math. It's very exciting. Okay, so the recession, and how is that going to affect housing? Well, first, let's start with explaining what the recession is and how it is definitely coming. Right now, we're in the 11th year of a bull stock market, bulls and bears. Bulls are good, bears are bad. Found out that that term actually comes from the fact that it's the way the animals attack. Did you know that? Bulls thrust up and bears swipe down. So the bull thrusting up means the market's going up and the bears the reverse. We're currently in the first longest time period of a bull market. This is the longest bull market in history, 11 years. And we're in the second largest growth bull market in history. And who knows, we might surpass that by the time we get to the end of this. The average length of your bull market is usually five years. So we are six years overdue. So spoiler alert, gang, the crash is coming. Now, the difference between a correction and a recession is that a correction happens when the market drops between 10 and 19.9%. That's what a correction is. Corrections happen all the time. In fact, there's a really interesting fact. Did you know that a correction has happened every year within one month of every year for the last 116 years? So we're five years overdue or six years overdue, I should say right now. So everybody's freaking out over the last six years every time we hit a correction. But the key is that those corrections are only below 20%. So what that means is if you're thinking about buying a house right now, I don't know when you started paying attention to economic news. Who knows? But it was probably only within the last six years. So at the beginning of this bull market, maybe you weren't even thinking about buying a house. Maybe you were still in high school. But odds are, if you're listening to this podcast right now, 11 years ago, it wasn't on your radar. And then they didn't talk about it for five years, but about six, five, four years ago, they started having those corrections. So everyone started freaking out and talking about it, about uh, the upcoming recession that was going to happen. 
But as we found out, the sky was not falling because the data actually shows that of those corrections, like I said, remember, they happen once a year for the past 116 years. And the data shows that 80% of those corrections never actually turn into a bear market. But we have to be realistic. We have to take a good look at the length of this bull stock market. And we remember that those bear markets are going to happen every five years or so. And we're 11 years into this one. And that means our stock market's going to be dropping 20%. That's got to be bad for housing, right? Let's keep going. Most bear markets, when they hit, they only last about a year from their beginning. And the stock market will then correct usually about 33%. Get this, in two centuries of American business, every single bear market, that 33% drop, gets made up by an immediate bull market. And that bull market makes up that 33% in the next five years. So the bear markets only last usually a year. And in, within five years, those losses are gained back. Now, of course, if you're listening to this and you haven't been paying attention to economics in a historical fashion, you probably just remember the most recent one, 2008. That was a biggie. That was different. All right. The big recession. Back in 2008, people lost 50% of some of their assets. But get this, even though people lost 50%, way above that 33%, the bear market to follow gave 69% returns going back up in just a very short period of time. And we're still going in this long market. All right, David, that's the stock market. What about housing? And by the way, you look ridiculous dressed as Paulie Shore. Well, first of all, thank you very much for calling me ridiculous. And second of all, please don't interrupt me while I'm podcasting. Okay, the stock market ups and downs and the housing ups and downs, they're not as tied as you think. But hang in there. We're going to get to that in a little bit. All right. Chill, baby, baby, chill, baby, baby. Wait, yet another old reference. Man, I'm old. So hang with me. This is all going to tie into your burning question. But you have to remember, you don't know what you don't know. And without the perspective and understanding the history of all these facts and figures, then, you know, you're doomed to repeat the same mistakes. There I am. I've said that before. I'm quoting myself from the last episode. And what's really interesting is that's something that I stole from someone else in the past who was way smarter than me. And in fact, I'm so dumb, I don't even remember who that person was. All right, I'm going to try to go and give you the big picture with all the facts, all the data, all the information that you need. But it's very important that as we're taking all this data in, that we remember two big things. Number one, trying to time the market is impossible. Warren Buffett, one of the smartest investors in the whole world who has tons of money and still lives in his, his uh, original house, in Omaha. Pretty cool. Warren Buffett says that when he's listening to all the economic shows and he's listening to all the prognosticators and all the folks that are attempting to predict the market, he says that their entire purpose for folks who are listening to them is just to make fortune tellers look good. So your best ally is time in the game. Don't try to time the game. Get yourself time in the game. Not on the sidelines. Get in whenever you can, and time's going to be your friend. Remember, paying rent is always worse than owning over usually as little as five years and 10 years for sure. That's a fact that dates all the way back to the Revolutionary War. And of course, the only time it didn't reach that goal within that decade was during that crash during 2008, which we're not going to repeat, and we'll get into that a little bit more. Damn, I just ruined the whole podcast. That was my big my big ending. All right, we'll keep going because you probably want an explanation. All right, time. How's that work? You got to play the game 
to win. Theodore Johnson worked for the UPS way back in the 1950s. And yeah, I Googled that just to find out, wow, UPS was around in the 50s. Turns out they were founded in 1907 in Seattle. Fun fact for the podcast. All right, so our man Theo, that's what I'm calling him from now on. My boy Theo never made more than $14,000 a year. Yet when he retired, he was worth $71 million. And while he was still alive, he actually donated $35 million of that $71 million before he even died. He had that much money that early in his life. How, you ask? Well, Einstein called it the eighth wonder of the world, compound interest. So my boy Theo, he had a friend who said, I'm going to make you rich. How, said Theo, I only make 14000 a year. Are you nuts? His friend said, I'm going to give you a 20% tax. So Theo said, and I'm paraphrasing, hey, daddy-o, what are you, off your rocker? I can barely pay my bills. You touch my money and you're cruising for a bruising. Remember, this was the 1950s. All right, moving on. So then his friend said, okay, look, what if the government decided to up your taxes by 20%? What would you do? I know you'd whine, you'd scream, you'd yell, you'd freak out, but eventually you would pay it. So that's what he did. And the compound interest of that invested self-imposed 20% tax made him over $70 million on 14 grand a year. All right, number two, second thing to remember. These are general thoughts and ideas for building your own personal wealth and dealing with what could be a financial change in our economic landscape. So these are general thoughts and you are you and you're unique. Your own situation is unique. Buying a home is a very broad concept. And while yes, there are some basic general ideas, a lot of which we've put out here on the podcast, basic fundamental financial foundations backed by historical data do exist, but you have your own variables that are going to affect how this economic downturn, change, whatever, how these changes are going to affect you. So if you're two or three years out, you run with the very basic principles right now. But as you get closer, well, let's say you're two or three months out. Well, then the very, very specific individual data, your data, it actually changes daily. The things that affect you, mortgage rates change throughout the day. So those are going to be the things that are going to be the deciding factor as you get closer to this. They're going to decide exactly how you best proceed. Now, while you're doing that, never lose sight of the big picture. Your path to not being a renter is your own path and your path to not only purchasing a home, but purchasing a home with the maximum amount of purchasing power. So you can get the best deal out of the situation that you're individually in at the time that you're ready to buy. And that's important because doing this is building the foundation of your financial freedom, your safety, your wealth, your happiness. And the path to get there, it's going to be yours. But let me remind you, if you're listening to this and I'm in your ear holes right now, why are you driving right now without a map? Get yourself a guide today. Your Yoda is out there. Get a guide, call, text, email today so you can get your unicorn realtor to guide you on your specific journey. Trying to do this on your own, it can cost you tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars, period. Go back, listen to the other episodes where I talk about the driving from LA to Nashville, the metaphorical land of Nashville where you buy a house, driving without a map. Listen to that one. I've also got my other 
favorite travel metaphor right now. A plane flying from Los Angeles to New York City is off course 90% of the time. And the only way to get back on course so it gets where it's going is it has a guidance system that is correcting it 90% of the time. I can give you some overall principles, but your journey is going to be unique just like you. Wow. (laughs) I sounded a little bit like a, a preschool teacher there. Kids, you're all special. You're all unique. But truly, you are. And your journey needs a guide. And that starts by reaching out today and let's get you a unicorn. Okay. All right. Let's get back to the economics. Let's find out what people who are thinking about buying a home, what do they think is on the horizon? A recent survey of potential home buyers discovered this. 53% of home buyers, first-time buyers and folks who are buying their second and third home, they currently in this market believe that a recession is going to happen in the next year. So you hear that? 53% of people who are thinking that a recession is going to happen in the next year are still in the market for buying a home. They still think it's a good idea. 57% of the people surveyed actually think that, yeah, we've got a recession coming in. They think it's going to be worse than 2008. Now, most economists do not, but uh, hang on there. The point is that 57% of home buyers still do, and they still want to buy. And in that same survey, 55% of the people said they would cancel their plans if the recession hits. Totally get that. Makes sense. Logical self-preservation, it's a normal thing. But here's why the people that are way smarter than me, and probably way smarter than folks who are listening to this right now, unless you're an economic uh, housing you know, genius, if you are, please write in, give me the details. But 55% of the people said they'd cancel, and here's why the people who do this for a living think that the housing market is not going to get shafted with the upcoming recession that we all know is coming. Here's the historical data. First, let's discuss how housing markets have been affected by recessions in the past. You know I love my history. Since 1980, we've had five recessions. Okay, so we'll just go back to 80. Three out of those five recessions, home prices went up. Now, why on earth does that happen? Okay, well, this is cool. Let's break it on down. When a recession happens, usually what the government will try to do and the banks and the people who are lending the money is interest rates will actually go down. Now, interest rates are a large part of any home buying equation. So if they're going down, that's good for you. You know what? And you don't believe me? Ask your parents or your older friends about how the damn government bailed us out in 2008 by keeping interest rates low. It happened. But the truth is, they actually do this every time. And they've done it in the past before. It just was so much bigger the last time. It's the Fed actually reduces the interest rates, which affects the lending rates, which affects the mortgage rates. Low rates means lower payments, more house you can buy. So usually, like I said, three out of five times, housing is not affected. 2008, that was very unusual. So most of the time, those three out of five times, when a recession hit, the investors, they actually pull their money out of the stock market at that time. And maybe they want to put it into something safe. And you know what? One of the number one things they put it into? Housing. So if all this economy talk is making your head spin, Think about that. That's the biggest takeaway you should get. The investors, the guys who actually understand and comprehend all this stuff, they think housing is a safe bet when the economy is starting to tank. They consider it conservative even. 
So how do those last five recessions break down? Okay, we got three times when the prices actually in housing went up during those recessions. So we start in 1980, where home prices appreciated 6.1%, even though we had a recession. And then we had this crazy recession again the next year, 1981. At that time, home prices appreciated 3.5%. The next one took place 10 years later. It was in 1991. That's where we had a small home price drop-off. Home prices fell 1.9%. So that was one of the ones where we dropped. 10 years later in 2001, another recession hit. This was the great dot-com crash when all the Silicon Valley nerds lost a ton. Side note, everybody, don't look now, but Blue Apron, DoorDash, Grubhub, even Mighty Mighty Uber, all those guys that are invested in internet stuff and got all their VC money first, now they're starting to figure out that they might have unsustainable models too, just like the dot-com crash. Just saying. Well, back then in 2001, that dot-com crash was huge. Stocks fell 25%, but get this, home prices went up 6.6%. I mean, before 2008, people were talking about 2001 as the, you know, almost as bad as the depression, but housing went up 6.6%. Now, the big one, and the reason why people are so scared is because this one's the most recent and the one that's in the most people's recent memory. In 2008, we had a recession that was caused by the housing market. Therefore, we had the housing meltdown and prices dropped 19.7%. Now, obviously, that's a massive drop. So why is that not going to happen again? Why is it not going to be 2008 all over again? All right, let's start with some experts who are looking at all the global macroeconomics, the trade wars, everything's going on with the global economy and they're thinking about the pending recession, what are they saying? Let's see what they think compared to our survey of consumers that were considering buying. How do the experts see housing being affected by this inevitable and looming recession that we know is coming? Well, there are stats from six nationally recognized nerd groups that analyze housing all day long. I mean, this is what they do. Like they analyze housing numbers like you and I binge Netflix. It's uh, the Home Price Expection Survey, Mortgage Bankers Association, Zellman and Associates, Freddie Mac, National Association of Realtors, and Fannie Mae. Now, they all see us finishing 2019 somewhere between 3.4 and 5.4% appreciation. That's going to be pretty spot on. From uh, next year, 2020, unless you're listening to this in the future, because this is a podcast. This is October 2019, and the prediction for 2020 from all six of these groups is they see somewhere between 2.8% and 3.5% appreciation. And a couple of them predicted on beyond that. A lot of them don't do predictions more than a year or two out. But most of them predicted, uh, the, the couple that did, predicted in 2021 and 2022, the numbers would still be going up at 25 and 3% appreciation. Now, there's another company. It's the Arch Mortgage Insurance Company. And their thing that they do is they do a housing and mortgage market review that's revealed by their Arch Risk Index. A lot of big fancy words say these guys analyze risk, and they estimate the probability of home prices being lower in two years, and they estimate it in these goofy economic terms. They talk about, you know, a strong possibility, a minimal possibility, a moderate possibility. What they had was they didn't have one state for 2020 and 21, 
even having a moderate probability of home prices lowering. And in fact, 34 of the 50 states had a minimal probability. Awesome. That sounds good, right? But okay, that's great. These people say that, but let's dig deeper. Let's find out why. Why else do they not see this as a 2008 crash? But why do they see it as a regular old stock market crash, a stock market recession, of which in the past, three out of five times, housing has gone right along with it and been not a problem. And four out of five times, three out of five, it went up. One time it went down a little. And then the fifth time, 2008. Well, the reason why is lots of them listen to Dr. Lawrence Yoon, who is a no-nonsense economist who doesn't sugarcoat things, and he is the guru on housing economics. He points to four major factors that affect housing, no matter where we are, bull market, bear market. But when we're looking at them now in 2019, the outlook on these four major factors that continually affect the housing market, they're actually pretty good right now. Number one, jobs. Now, this is the unemployment rate, which has the lowest jobless rate in 50 years. It was at uh, 3.6 in the summer. I'm not quite sure where it is right now, but you know, anywhere hovering below 6% is incredible because the overall stat is that our nation's economy is at full employment, meaning everybody who wants a job has a job when the unemployment rate is at 6%, and we've been between 3 and 4%. Item number two that they look at, interest rates. Well, that's simple. Mortgage interest rates are ridiculous. Threes and the fours. Once again, go back, talk to your parents. Many of them bought a home at 18% interest. Number three thing they look at is population. This one's pretty simple. We keep making more people and people need three things, food, shelter, and clothing. So it's a simple supply and demand. And the population, the numbers are actually kind of staggering. In 2000, in America, we had 282 million people. In 2018, that jumped to 327 million people. That means we had a 45 million increase in the last 18 years. And, you know, you wouldn't think so with all the news you hear about households having less kids, but numbers don't lie. And uh, fun fact about this whole people keep making people thing, this also increases rents. And that we've definitely seen. Now, when it comes to where we're going to house these people, we're in a serious housing shortage and the news is not great. The construction was down 4% last year, but a housing shortage means that there's going to be a demand for housing. So now we go back to supply and demand, which means that the housing market will probably remain good because all these people that are being made by other people need a place to live. And the people who are trying to build the houses, well, they're being overregulated by the government and it makes it more difficult for them to make any profits so they're not making as many houses as they used to. That gang is simple supply and demand. And the number four economic indicator on where the housing market's going is consumer confidence. In another recent survey, 53% believe that the economy is improving. Optimism is highest with those earning over $100,000 a year and those in rural areas. Some of you might be asking, that's weird. 100,000 and above in rural areas. Why rural areas? This is the really interesting thing. The theory is uh, that they have less access to the media. They're not hearing all the fear-mongering noise and clickbait that's out there. All the headlines that are trying to get you to click. Because believe it or not, this is still how the news outlets make their money, by getting you to click and subscribe and follow 
and be there. So the people that don't have as much access who are in the rural areas, they're not being bombarded with all this crap all the time. And so they've got less, less access to the fear mongering. They're not buried in their uh, social medias. People boohoo freaking out all day long. So they remain a little more confident because in their own area, they notice that most people have jobs and things are going all right. Now, when it comes to the millennials, their willing to buy a home is actually or their willingness to buy a home. How many millennials are saying in surveys, yes, I would like to buy a home. They actually are buying home at rates higher than any other group coming into that home ownership age in history. So I've talked about it before. Every decade gets and or generation gets a label and, you know, all those crazy beatniks, those stupid hippies, you know, those weird disco people. Everybody gets called the generation before them thinks that they're not responsible. Now, what the millennials, what they're saying is that a lot of them are more committed to their lifestyle, but eventually they figure out and realize that their rent is a regular payment that they make. So the best way to fund their lifestyle is to stop throwing that money away and to get into the safest investment in economic history, homeownership. So the indicators, jobs, interest rates, population, consumer confidence, how's all four of those things looking? Pretty damn good. But is that going to be a big news story? Is that going to be the thing that you hear about all the time? Is this actual factual data filling up your news feed? Hell no. Fear and misery are out there. That's what sells. Some of you guys probably aren't old enough to remember this, but uh, we used to watch local news before we just watched Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime. And the local news had this great thing they would do every single time they get ready to go to commercial. Right before they go to commercial, they put up a teaser and they say something like, you know, is your laundry detergent killing your family? We'll tell you right when we come back. Fear. It was the, it's been the way. And news, their job is selling to you, getting clicks, getting the followers. They magnify the crap. They try to make it more interesting. And if you're one of those people that thinks that you aren't interested in all that fear mongering and you know, all the, the scandal and the misery and all the stuff that the news people are putting out there in the headlines. That's great. I'm glad that you aren't good for you, but know this, you are in the minority. Go to the grocery store and look at these things they have there. They're called magazines. They're all crap and they're still selling and no one buys magazines. Flip on daytime television, watch the talk or the reel or the chat or the view or the, the gab or the bitch fest or whatever the heck they call it. Think about it this way. Fail. That's one of the biggest things on YouTube. People dig pain, misery, and fear. So most experts believe that if there is a recession that comes along, it's not going to resemble the 2008 recession. So Lawrence Yoon said, told us, doctor, excuse me, doctor. He told us what the economic indicators are, but there's some major factors as to why this is going to be the same as 2008. Zillow economist Jeff Tucker, he explained the difference in what will be the next recession versus the 2008 recession in the housing market in an article entitled, Recessions Typically Have Limited Effect on the Housing Market. He said, quote, as we look ahead to the next recession, it's important to recognize how unusual the conditions were that caused the last one and what's different about the housing market today. Rather than abundant homes, we have a shortage of a new home supply. Remember, guys, we talked about that. 
Rather than risky borrowers taking on adjustable rate mortgages, we have buyers with great credit scores taking out predictable 30-year fixed rate mortgages. The housing market is simply much less risky than it was 15 years ago, unquote. And George Ritu, a senior economist at Realtor.com, he weighed in on the subject and said, quote, this is going to be much shorter recession than the last one. I don't think the next recession will be a repeat of 2008. The housing market's in a better position, unquote. So no one's going to be able to accurately predict when the next recession is going to occur, but expecting one could possibly take place in the next 18 to 24 months. That's understandable based on the data. We're at the longest one in history. It's real important that we realize the bottom line. It's not going to be like 2008. It's not going to affect housing. Here's some more real life. This is some basic information that maybe you don't know about, but I was living it. First of all, it's way more difficult to get a loan than it was before the crash in 2008. We used to say, Fogamir, get a loan. You know, Fogamir, that means if you have breath. It was scary. The banks have clamped down hardcore. It's actually to the point where it's pissing off my people trying to get loans. And I don't care. I think it's a great thing. See, it never should have been that easy. I know a guy who bought a $700,000 house. And when he told his gardener how easy it was, For him to make this home purchase, his gardener went to the lender and bought the house right next door. Not kidding. It was greed, gang. Banks were acting like there was no tomorrow. Loans were not verified, like at all. Like none. No verification. No income, no assets, no nothing. Used to get a stated loan. Sounds fancy, right? Ooh, I got a stated loan. Nope, not fancy. That means you simply stated to the person, to the loan officer, yes, this is how much money I make. And he said, great, wrote it down on an application, then you got a loan. No verification. Look, if you're wondering how on earth that can happen, go watch The Big Short starring Brad Pitt, Christian Bale, Ryan Gosling, and Steve Carell. Great film. Directed and written by Adam McKay, who won an Academy Award for uh, Best Writing Adapted Screenplay. And a fun fact about Adam McKay, the guy who wrote this great movie about the economic meltdown. He's a comic writer. Yeah, he wrote Ant-Man. He wrote The Other Guys with Will Ferrell and uh, Mark Wahlberg. He wrote for SNL Forever. And he wrote Anchorman and Talladega Nights. That's what a joke housing was back in the early 2000s. Okay, David, I hear you, man. I hear what you're saying. The sky's not falling. But dude, I have a big question. Eventually, housing's going to go down again. And if it does and prices go down someday, I'm going to wait till they hit the very bottom. Okay, here's an answer to that question. And it's a big question. Logically, I see why people think it and why it makes sense. So here's the answer. Can you do math, dummy? Okay, that was a little harsh. As you can tell, I probably have a lot of really pent up rage about this question. And you know what? You know what? I'm going with it. I'm going with, I'm, I'm going to answer this question with the rage that I have, and then I'll get back to talking to you guys, my friends, about the real numbers, but I'm going to even skew these numbers in favor of these people who come to me and think that they know what they're talking about because they read one article on Facebook. All right, here we go. I'm an event. This is me taking out the poser D-bag who came to me, and I'll give you the insane accurate numbers for them. Okay, here we go. All right, when the economy tanks and all the millionaires and billionaires invest and buy real estate because it's a nice, safe, 
solid thing. When did you get smarter than them? They have millions and billions, and you're trying to figure out how to buy a $225,000 condo, and you want to wait eight years to do it. Okay, genius, let's run the numbers. Your rent for $2,000 a month, that's $24,000 a year. You want to buy a $300,000 home at the end of 2020. You want to wait a year. Okay, now let's say you save up for a year, and right before you get ready to buy, we have the huge Halloween 2020 stock market tank. Bam, we're in a recession. Good job. You're smart. You waited. You timed it. Now, you're stoked. You're super proud of yourself. You think you're a massive baller. And the part of this crazy new recession that we're making up right now, let's say it does something that the housing market never does. First of all, no one thinks the recession or the housing market's going to drop with this recession, but let's say it does. And let's say it does something crazy. Let's say it drops 10%, okay? 10% in 30 days. Okay, the Halloween recession happens, bam, and then apocalypse, the housing market crashes 10% in 30 days. Oh no, there's fire in the streets, cats are sleeping with dogs, everyone's going crazy. By the way, never has this ever happened anything close like this in history, but let's say it did. All right, man, your time to pounce, brah. Let's take 10% off that $300,000 sales price that you were thinking about. All right, Captain Finance, timing the market. Good job even though Warren Buffett says you're an idiot, okay? So your $300,000 home is now discounted by $30,000 in just those 30 days. You're a baller, way to go. Okay, except to have saved that 30 grand to get your impossible scenario discount, you actually been spending $2,000 a month, $24,000 for the whole year for your rent. And you lost a $5,000 tax benefit that you would have gained. So now this $30,000 massive baller discount you just got, your 30 Gs, you just put 29 Gs into it to get it. So you have a G. All right. Well, that's the way that it works. And, oh, wait, hang on. I forgot something. Nah, fool, you don't even have one G. You see, the home appreciated in the time while you were waiting, right? So, and let's say, I'll give it a really small appreciation. Let's give you 2% appreciation at the same time, right before your impossible one month, 10% drop that happens a year later during your fairytale recession that you're going to totally know how to beat and be a champ. Well, the 2% of appreciation that you missed out on is a $6,000 return on the money that you spent for a year. You know, the money you already spend on the first of the month, every month. All right. So that's $6,000 you lost. Now you were up a G, but you lost six. So that means congratulations, you timed it perfect, but you're down $5,000. Even though you somehow magically timed the greatest economic 30-day 10% housing crash in history. Sorry, gang, that was brutal, but it felt good. See, even if you disagree with the experts that the housing market won't heavily be affected by this recession, let's say you take that negative, but not totally insane prediction of the housing market dropping in 2020. All right. Now, let's say, but you think it's going to be normal at three to five percent. okay, and that might last three to five years max. okay. so now you're looking at that three hundred thousand dollar home and it's going to start 2020, 2021 to go down. And let's say we'll give it the full five percent. So let's say that home is going to go down twenty five percent in the next six to seven years. okay? so during that time. Even though your home has gone down 25% or $75,000, that's big. You want to wait for that. So 
let's say I'll even give it to you in five years. All right. Let's say it's $75,000 off this home in the next five years. If you are paying your rent, okay, your rent is $24,000, $2,000 a month, plus we've got the $5,000 tax benefit. So that's $29,000. So you gain $75,000 for waiting five years to time the market, but you lost 29,000 times five, which is 29, carry the one, $145,000 loss. So that's $145,000 loss for what could potentially, maybe if you time everything just perfect, be a $75,000 gain. Like I said, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I look like an idiot right now, but I'm telling you, I even know that $145,000 loss for a $75,000 gain so you can time the market is not good math for you. And, you know, by the way, I didn't even add it in. The numbers are actually far worse than that because I didn't even include the 5 to 10% increase because remember, gang, rent always goes up. All right, if you didn't catch that, rewind it. Okay, and if you want to, go to davidsononi.com, print out the transcript. It's numbers, it's not opinions. And these numbers are conservative. They're skeptical, cautious numbers, according to the experts. It doesn't really matter when you're buying a home. Unless it was 2007, okay, in the worst housing meltdown in history, Americans have been winning for decades anytime they buy their first home. And with the rents being high and going much higher, Every year, there's no math that beats a fixed rate mortgage. It's all about time working the system. Is your money going into something or is it going out to nothing? And then the sooner it gets in, it has more time to leverage and work the investment system. All investments take time to grow. You remember Theo, our $70 million UPS guy from the 50s? He had to get started. You can't win if you can't play. More time equals more return. Look, I get it. This is unsexy stuff. You're not getting rich quick. You're not going to have your Instagram feed showing you like some super hottie killing it, living your best life. But I got news for you. There are people out there that I know of that are trying to tell people they're entrepreneurs and they're jumping fences at airports to take photos with private planes. There are people that are planning their entire vacation based on where they can get the best Instagram photos. And if you care about what they think, or if you want other people to see you in images like that, that people are trying to project and, okay, great. You might feel like a winner now. You might get a bunch of likes. Fantastic. But in the long run, the unsexy world that we're discussing, you're going to be a hundred times more stable, content, happy, and free. That's what money is. It's freedom for you to have all the YOLO you want later on in life. You can live on your own schedule, live a life filled with experiences, not responsibilities and commitments to other because you spent all these years fronting so you could get the immediate gratification of likes and clicks and shares. You know, you want to feel rad about other people's random opinion of you and your current status. These numbers, they don't lie. Don't let your desire to be a baller right away help you skew those numbers into some negative look at where the economy is going to be going because that fits your current real desire just to go out there and be an IG star and get all your clicks. All right. Look, it's not sexy. The numbers are, are not going to be something you're going to 
post and you're going to talk to people about it. It's not going to make your Instagram stories, but you know what? It will make the real story of your life way better in the long run with a safe, stable, and truly happy ending. That, my friends, that's living your best life. And that takes planning and a little perspective and understanding of the history. Fortunately for you, you happen to know a super dork who's going to do all the work for you because in my whacked out mind, this is me living my best life. Sitting here at, you know, five o'clock in the morning in my house doing a podcast, helping people learn the best way to get this stability started as quickly as possible. My passion, my living my best life is me sitting here talking to this mic, helping you break this down and get this started as soon as possible. I actually learned uh, from a guy who helps summarize stuff for people by a guy named Brian Tracy. He read and studied self-help stuff for years. I saw him probably the first time when he was in his 50s or 60s. And what he did was he did an eight-hour seminar breaking down all the best of the best from all the years of research that he did. And then he summarized it to help you, help us. I'll never forget that. A lot of other great people did it too. Napoleon Hill, he did it for 20 years with some of the greatest minds in one of the largest growth periods in American history. And then he wrote a book about it called Think and Grow Rich. I figured if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. So I'm constantly gathering. I'm trying to find this stuff so I can get you the best information. So, you know, I know maybe you guys, when you're taking a run or you're on your commute, you might be listening to music or checking your social media or watching YouTube. I end up spending all my time listening to audible books about economics and marketing and podcasts about super nerdy stuff, past and present economics and the best practices for the consumer and this is me taking it all together. It's everything you hear. It's me listening to, like I said, Think and Grow Rich and E-Myth Revisited, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, The Richest Man in Babylon, tons and tons of books and things that I've consumed, not to mention the current stuff with podcasts. I listen to you know Adam Carroll and Dave Ramsey every once in a while. And, and then get this, I got the Theo story, Theo, the UPS guy, $71 million man. I got that from Tony Robbins being interviewed by Gary Vaynerchuk and Tony was plugging his book, Unshakable, that he wrote with Peter Malouk, who's, I don't know, but he's some economic phenom voted number one independent financial advisor in America by Barron's, which is like the Bible of investors and stuff. And he was voted that for a number of years. And he and Tony wrote this book. And so, you know, whatever anybody thinks about Tony Robbins and his motivational stuff, he's really spot on when it comes to money, because what he does is he listens to people very savvy and smart guys. And he takes all their information and tries to dole it out to us. What he did was he actually interviewed 50 of the smartest financial people in the world for his first book, the one that was before Unshakable. And he interviewed people like you know Warren Buffett and Steve Forbes and all those guys. And not only does he take the time to categorize and summarize and disseminate the information from brains way bigger than his, his words, not mine. You know, I do not want those giant hands coming after me. Don't you do it, Tony. Shallow Hal, remember that? Banana Hands, classic. Gotta watch that flick. Anyway, not only did he do this passion project to help people like you and me, but he actually donates money from all the books to feed each book. He feeds 100 million people and his goal is to feed a billion people, hungry people in a decade. I was really shocked to hear all that, but that's the kind of stuff that I can learn when I'm out and about listening to this stuff. And, uh, and now I want to pass it on to you guys, dumbing down all this economic nerd talk and packing it in with, you know, some motivation, 
so that the regular person out there can listen and prosper. And I'm hoping that I'm doing that with you guys in this little niche of buying your first home. So time does equal money. It really does, especially with housing. The longer that you rent, the more money you're not putting into this sometimes unsexy plan of buying a home. You know, the home that's going to equal your foundation of your finances, your stability, your security. The longer you wait on that, the longer you're not paying yourself. The longer that you are not getting the tax benefits of home ownership. There are countless ways that you're losing money by not getting this started as quickly as you can. This is why I started the podcast. As I've mentioned before, let's see, October, we're at 83 first-time buyers and two more closings coming up in a week. Six people have actually purchased homes through the Unicorn Nation throughout the country. And you know, before I actually started giving these uh, podcast referrals out to people, I sent at least a dozen to other unicorns that I knew all over the country. And, and the reason why I started this podcast is those people that I referred and the 83 first-time buyers that I've, I've had, every single one of them said to me, man, I should have done this sooner. All of them. They said if they'd found this information sooner, if they weren't afraid to research it, if they weren't afraid to try to find the information, or you know, if, if they hadn't asked a friend or a family member who thought they knew, and no offense, they were trying to give their best advice, but they just weren't an expert. They've all told me, man, David, I've lost thousands, tens of thousands, some of them even hundreds of thousands of dollars because no one teaches this stuff. And you know what? They were right. I mean, they're right about the fact they lost the money, but they were right that no one teaches this stuff. You know why? Because it's not lucrative because the dinosaurs in the real estate industry don't want to take the time for you. They don't want to talk to someone one, two, three, four years out from buying. Well, now someone does. Hint, it's the dude in your ear holes. And I've got Unicorn Nation who are right now, as of October, they're helping in 2019, 50 people on their plan. Close six of them. And the goal is for you to reach out right away so that you can be one of those planners as well. Remember, time is money. This is your journey, and the only way to navigate your individual variables of buying your first home is to have an expert guide who not only sees the big economic picture that we've discussed, but also your individual economic picture. A true, caring, professional unicorn. <laughs> I love saying professional unicorn. So as I tell you guys every time, if you're getting any value out of this, share this podcast. Let's get it out to more people. Let's get more people to find Unicorn Nation. Check it out on Facebook. Look for David Sedoni at davidsedoni.com and also David Sedoni on Instagram. And hey, just the fact that you're taking the time to still be here at the end of this brutal economics class is more than enough for me or a member of Unicorn Nation to know that you are serious and you will get the fantastic service that you deserve because we think you deserve your path to happiness. We'll work for you. We'll guide you. We'll help you in your massively unsexy journey, saving and scrimping and sacrificing so that you can be the beginning of a whole new generation of first-time homebuyers who don't come back to me and say, man, I lost so much money because I never talked to anyone. You're here. You're good. You're on the path. Time to get yourself a guide. You can do this.